Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Coming up on Upstate Issues. Last year alone in the United States, 90,000 plus died of an overdose. There is no one solution. There is no one, you know, magic wave of the wand that, that's going to fix this. We've got people who've done the wrong things, but now they're doing the right thing. Let's focus on promoting that. You know, that should be the way that we promote, you know, healthy living. That's next on Upstate Issues. Hello and welcome again to Upstate Issues. I'm Diane Donato. Drug overdose deaths during the pandemic hit the highest number ever reported. CDC data showing deaths skyrocketed to 93,000 in 2020. That's up from 72,000 in 2019. That's an increase of about 30%. Dr. Nora Volkow with the National Institute on Drug Abuse says that the numbers are chilling. She blames the COVID pandemic for creating a devastating collision of health crises in America. Most of the deaths involved opioids, uh, synthetic or otherwise. Tim Murdoch is the president of Nopiates Committee. It's a grassroots organization raising awareness on the opioid crisis that's destroying communities and families. He's with us today. Tim, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you, Diane. Pleasure to be on. So the report that I was just referencing, does that surprise you at all? Or is that kind of in line with what you've seen in the capital region? No, that really doesn't surprise us um, at all. Um, seeing the nature of what's going on, you know, not just in our community, but across the country. With COVID, um, you had a, a lot of isolation, obviously. The other perfect, you know, what we call the perfect storm, you know, with isolation, you had the uh, the effects of bail reform. We, we have drug dealers being let out, on, you know, on the streets to continue to sell, knowing that the prosecution will probably never come to them. Um, you had issues with the eviction issues that people won't be evicted. So you had some, some issues with... Uh, drugs being delivered basically to somebody's apartment who are getting free money from the government to carry on and do these things. Let's talk a little bit about your group. When was it formed and, and how many people do you serve? Actually, our, our Denopius Committee was formed, like you said, it's a grassroots organization made up of volunteers. We have anywhere from 5, 10, 12 con- uh, continuous volunteers. Um, and, and we're all committed to bring attention to the opioid crisis, obviously affecting many of our families and, and communities. What we do is we try to help through education. So we present at high schools, we actually present at colleges, doing uh, local events, and we'll, we'll speak on such things as trends, um, the road to addiction and substance use disorder, um, even things uh, like uh, disposing of unused prescriptions, un- unused prescriptions and helping with uh, people in recovery. I spent a little time looking on your website. It's very clear from your website that this is a very personal cause for you. Absolutely. As you can see from the website, website, um, we lost our son, Sean, in uh, September of 2015 to an accidental overdose. And his uh, road to addiction uh, started with a uh, legal prescription, the oxycodone. And it sounds uh, like something he battled a long time. He, he did. Um, and Sean, actually, he wanted help. There was many ups and downs, as, as people know, going through this process. Um, but Sean actually wanted help. Um, he tried many times uh, to get help in New York. And um, unfortunately, 
he was turned down uh, many times. He actually ended up getting help out of state, and he, he did that all on his own. So, I mean, we knew that he wanted help. He just could not get it in New York. And unfortunately, if you don't know the ins and the outs on trying to get getting help, um, it's real difficult. In, in Rensselaer County, we have a peer engagement specialist, and we only have one for the whole county. And uh, this young man, is he's busy 24 hours a day just trying to get people you know, the help that they need. Unfortunately, in Rensselaer County, we lost our one and only ambulatory detox, uh, which was at St. Mary's. Um, we no longer have that. So if someone is looking for uh, help, they actually have to go to St. Peter's in Albany, and they have to be there before uh, 11 a.m., which um, is pretty difficult to do, especially with somebody who's in the thralls of detox, you know, detoxing, or, you know, they, people, people need to understand that there's a very small window for somebody who, who wants help. And you, you can't expect somebody going through a withdrawal to sit in an emergency room the five to eight hours trying to get uh, buprenorphine or, you know, any other type of help. So it's, it's a real tight window to try to get help. And when you have, you know, a, a peer engagement specialist, it absolutely helps. But we should be able to, anybody who's looking for help should just be able to walk into an ER or, you know, a place of treatment and say, I need help. Unfortunately, that, you know, that doesn't happen right now. Why did Rensselaer County lose the ambulatory detox? It is basically, it's a financial reasons, which, I mean, as you well know, with uh, what's going on with the AG and settlements with big pharmacy, that's fantastic, you know, that, that they're doing that. I mean, I got to tell you, you know, the millions of dollars that they settled for as a penance to what they actually caused, um, you know, but they're smart. They, they settled before the trial began. So instead of losing millions or, or billions, instead of losing billions, they're, they're losing millions. And, and that's nothing to... Uh, big pharmacy, but it's, it is a small win for the families who've lost. I can tell you as a family who has lost someone, we don't want that money. That money needs to go into treatment and recovery. It is such a relief that this money is not going to the general fund. Hopefully it is going to the lockbox. Um, but what is most important, I know that OASIS may be the governing body, but where that money really needs to go is to the local communities and to the counties, the local coalitions, so they can help with the decision-making process on where the money's to go. Who else other than the families who are closest to the counties have that knowledge on where the help is needed? We are going to circle back to a couple of the points you just touched on. Just want to remind people, we're talking with Tim Murdoch. He's the president of Nopiates Committee Incorporated. You just mentioned five or six things that for people who are close to the situation, I think they have an understanding of, but for a lot of our listeners, uh, some of that might have just gone right past them because uh, so many aspects of it. So first of all, over a billion dollars uh, in settlement money from various drug manufacturers, some of them not necessarily admitting any culpability, but settling the money, just the same with the AG's office and AG's attorney generals from various states. And some of them also agreeing to different practices uh, going forward, some of them also can't sell opioids in the in New York State anymore as part of these settlements. You also just uh, you referenced this aspect about the money actually has to go to prevention treatment programs and, and to programs rather than going to the general fund. And I think we should mention that that's something that many legislators had to kind of fight to make sure that that happened. Every time I've done interviews with people about the problems that uh, those who've been addicted are facing. One of the biggest things they talk about is the lack of funding for the actual recovery programs and the support programs that are needed. You also mentioned OASIS. And if you could, Tim, could you uh, explain a little bit, New York State and OASIS, what their role is here? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, New York State and OASIS, they've been the, uh, you know, the governing body when it comes to, uh, 
you know, alcohol and substance use disorder. Um, very, very, you know, great organization. Um, have nothing but great things to say about them. And unfortunately, it's it's the people in in, on, in the grassroots level. That's several layers above us. So there's a there's a lot of bureaucratic things that happen in between. And people who are are looking for recovery, they don't need to get involved with those other. They they need help. They need help at that time. They don't, you know, people in recovery. It's, it's and people who help with people in recovery, to them, to us, it's not a nine-to-five job. You don't come in at 9 o'clock, turn the light on, at 5 o'clock, you shut it off. You know, you could be getting a phone call at 2 o'clock in the morning if somebody needs help. And, you know, we've got great people over here in Rensselaer County who, you know, they answer the call. We, we have a Rensselaer County helpline. You know, people are, are volunteers, and a lot of them are people who have gone through it or they've had loved ones who go through it. So, I mean, to, to expect someone who's not going through it to understand what's going on. Yes, I, I, I get it. There are, there are great people out there, but the real people who understand what's going on and who have the passion and the love to help someone and a family, because the families are very much involved in this too, you really have to be at that level. You, there's so many ups and downs. I, I, I say it's a, ro- it's a roller coaster ride. And recovery is a lifelong thing. It's, it's not a, a doomsday thing. It's, recovery is great, and, and people need to uh, em- embrace that. Tim, I know that the uh, causes of addiction and the, the components in solving it are many, but what are some of the things that you think are most important on helping people get onto the road to recovery? Show them compassion. Show them that you care. Um, there's a lot of stig- stigmatism and shame that go along with it, and uh, a lot of people going through this, you know, these, um, this process, they, they have a very low self-esteem, and from somebody on the outside looking in, ah, he's a junkie, she's a junkie. You know, the age-old adage is, you know, when you think of somebody who's a heroin addict, you know, they're, they're pushing a shopping cart underneath the bridge with a pile of empties, you know, trying to buy their next fix. That's, that's not the case. I mean, we've got doctors, lawyers, we've got politicians, you know, who've, who've, who have gone through this, who are going through this, and they're in recovery, long-term recovery, and that's who we, we promote. You know, there's, there's a very small portion of our population who always get that attention for doing the wrong things. We've got people who've done the wrong things, but now they're doing the right thing. Let's focus on promoting that. You know, that should be the way that we promote, you know, healthy living. I think it's so important to give people that hope, too, if they are currently struggling themselves, is to hear from other people about how, how they're getting through the struggle and where they are and, and how they've progressed. Oh, absolutely. And we, we help people with long-term recovery. Uh, uh, Nopiates promote safe and sober you know, activities. We've done uh, a couple of ice fishing tournaments with the Sand Lake uh, Kiwanis the past couple of years. Um, we do uh, mindful nature walks with the Rensselaer Plateau. There's a, there's a lot of activities out there. There's a lot, there's a lot of connections out there. You know, we have this thing called the Internet that gets a lot of negative press. How about we start using this thing called the Internet to do something good? You know, let's promote the good in people. You're mentioning a little bit about the types of services you offer. Um, what other things? I, I think that maybe you've been very involved, for instance, in Narcan training. Oh, absolutely. And, and again, there, there is no, it, it's all encompassing. There is no one solution. There is no one, you know, magic wave of the wand that, that's going to fix this. You know, there, there's MAD, Medicated Assisted Treatment, um, which I talked a little bit about with ambulatory uh, detox. Um, some people, we have such... You know, in the old days, abstinence, the 12-step program, that's all there was. Uh, well, with the influx and just the magnitude of people going through substance use disorder, obviously we've had to, you know, go to different avenues to try to, you know, help with this. Um, so you have medicated assistance. Obviously you have the abstinence. Um, there's other things out there. So there, there is no one thing. So Narcan training, obviously that's somebody who has 
overdose. We also have, you know, the Tira bags with uh, that actually deactivates medications. If you can't get to a drug take-back day, these, these bags actually we can get to you um, also through the Oasis. Um, and you can pour your old medications into that, pour a little warm water in it, seal it, shake it. It's biodegradable. You just throw it in your garbage. It deactivates the chemical inside the drugs so it doesn't go into our sanitary systems. I'm sure that a lot of people would find that appealing because for one reason or other, they might be a little intimidated by actually bringing the drug somewhere for a drug take-back day. You know what, Diane, that, that's, that's a very good point. And I will say in the beginning, when we got involved with this four or five years ago, we only had two drug take-back days per year. Mm-hmm. And the first time we did it, it, it wasn't, you know, it was, it was around before we, you know, we were involved with this. It wasn't, you know, as accepted. And then in the past few years, my gosh, I mean, uh, with the sheriff's department, they, they they have to bring in more vehicles just to carry all the boxes out of all of the, you know, unused medications. And it's fantastic to see that the, you know, the public is recognized and get these, you know, get these things out of our medicine cabinets. And that way nobody's tempted, nobody's going in there and, and taking things that they shouldn't. And there's, I mean, there's other trends. I've, I've heard from people in the real estate business that uh, they've had people book, you know, somebody showing a house that's going to be for sale. People will go online to see if it was uh uh, it was an elderly couple. Elderly couple that had passed away, and you know it's a estate sale or something like that. They will book a showing just so they can go into the house and go through the medicine cabinets. That's that's how bad it's got. People become very desperate, and yes. uh, and and I think that the opportunities to get rid of those drugs now that people know more about how addictive they are, it's great to see so many of those opportunities. Tim, would you have any other closing thoughts? Anything else you'd like to share today? Sure. I mean, um, I know the governor had mentioned uh, that he had declared uh, a health emergency on gun violence. So these numbers I got from uh, everytownresearch.org and msn.org. In 2020, the United States had roughly 19,000 violent gun gun incidences where a death occurred. So that's 19,000 people. There was a health emergency declared on that. Last year alone in the United States, 90,000 plus died of an overdose. Now, I say plus because it's, it's, it's a known fact that a lot of overdoses are not recorded as overdoses, um, whether it's because of stigma and shame or the coroner or the, um, whoever reporting the death reports it as a cardio event or um, you know, something other than an actual overdose. So we know that those numbers are, are north of 90,000. What I'd like to ask the governor to do is declare um, the opioid crisis a state health emergency as well. Tim Murdoch, he's the president of Nopiates Committee. If people wanted more information, where should they go? You can go to nopiates.com. That's N-O-P-I-A-T-E-S.com. If you wish to email us, it's nopiatesevents at gmail.com. And I just want to say in closing that um, we have an event coming up on August 31st. We've done it for the last five years, International Overdose Awareness Day. It's on August 31st. It's in the town of Sand Lake. You can visit our website for more information, and uh, we hope to see you. Tim, thank you so much for joining us today. All right. Thank you, Diane. Upstate Issues is a production of iHeartMedia Albany. This program is available as a podcast at WGY.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.